Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due, and our military, our veterans are worthy of honor. Amen? So we do honor you. We are uh, today kicking off a brand new series entitled Money Talks. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them Money Talks. Um, Every year, if you've been here a while, you know that um, when we get to the month of November, uh, we pray about um, the series, and usually we, we try to talk about finances once a year. It's never a knee-jerk reaction for us that we need bills paid, and so now we talk about money because we really need you to give. Uh, Our bills are paid. We're doing just fine. It's not that we need anything from you, but we want something for you. Um, We've been talking about a kingdom reality, and any area that we don't invite the kingdom in, it excludes the kingdom from that area of our life. And finances is one of the areas that God wants to bless, that God wants to get involved in. Um, And so I'm excited. A lot of preachers are scared to death of this topic. They are afraid to talk about it. Uh, But it has, the Bible has more to say about money than it does prayer and a lot of other things. So 16 to 18 of the 38 parables Jesus taught has to do with money. And I think God did that because he knew that this would be an area that you and I would struggle with, that a lot of people struggle in the area of money. So a lot of preachers are afraid to talk about it. I am not one of those, okay? Um, I actually enjoy the topic because I have a lot of scripture uh, to pull from, but, but even uh, though I got scripture, I also have evidence of God's faithfulness. I have experience of God's faithfulness, and I've learned that if I'll trust God, that he can bless me in the area of finances. And so this first message today, I want to call it, Who Do You Trust? Who Do You Trust? I want you to ask your neighbor real quick, pick him on the shoulder, slap him in the head, wake him up, ask him, say, who do you trust? That's the wrong neighbor. Come on, find somebody else. Ask him, who do you trust? Some of y'all are not playing along, are you? That's all right, that's all right. Um, I realize that some people believe that the church, they say, thing, they say things like, the church only wants my money. How many of you have ever thought that, heard that said? Maybe you've even said it. Anybody ever been around that conversation? The church only wants my money. Um, and, and I get it. Maybe for some churches, that's the case. That's not the, ch- the case here at Bethesda Church. Uh, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. This is not a knee-jerk reaction. This is teaching the Bible as it relates to finances. And we got to get past getting excited for for, um, cancer being healed, but not excited that a mortgage is paid off because it's the same God. All right? So so we got to learn to celebrate God moving in this area the same way we celebrate God moving in a physical body. Um, and, And so we want something for you. And I understand that some people will say that the church only wants my money. Um, but for people that would say something like that, I want to ask them, do you say that about Exxon? Do you say that about Apple? Do you say that about the car dealership? 
Do you, do you say that about the restaurant on a Sunday afternoon after you have lunch? They only want my money because they are in business to get your money. But usually that line is reserved for the church, and usually that line is reserved for people who have a problem obeying God in the area of finances. It has been said that people want more of two things. They want more money and more sex. But they get nervous when the church talks about either. Um, if that's you, you you in the wrong church because we're going to talk about both those things. Come on, somebody. They're, they're both biblical. God created sex. He also knows you need to pay your bills, and so he talks a lot about money. And so we got to talk about some of the things that make people maybe a little uncomfortable in church, uh, but when it comes to money, God has a lot to say. I remember when I first started preaching, when you say yes to God, you get all kinds of assignments, Weird assignments. Sometimes it's cleaning a toilet, uh, sweeping a floor, uh, taking care of, of a situation that maybe you, don't, you didn't want to take care of. One of the assignments I got when I first started preaching and said yes to the call of God, my pastor asked me if I would teach for two or three nights at Vacation Bible School. Now, you got, you got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I want you to teach at Vacation Bible School because we're going to have an adult class, and while the kids are eating cookies and drinking Kool-Aid and learning about Jesus and all that fun stuff, I want you to meet with the adults and talk to them about money. And this young preacher is studying all these scriptures on what God has to say about money to deliver this message to people that are much older than me. Uh, that have been saved a lot longer than me. And so I, I talked for two or three nights about money and about tithing, um, generosity and giving and everything I knew in two or three, like literally, that's about all the info I had was about two or three teaching uh, word. Now I could go for 52 weeks on the subject, but then I was, I was green. I taught what I knew, taught what I'd studied for that week, and people got mad at me as a young preacher for teaching on money, and I was only do, doing what I was asked to do. And they started saying things like, you know you're really rubbing people the wrong way when they start saying like, well, I tithe on my time. And I'm like, I know you lying now. Because there's 24 hours in a day, and I know you're not spending two hours and 40 minutes with God every single day. And so they would say things like, well, I'm tithing my time, or, or I can't do that because of A, B, and C. And, and I, I simply told them, you know, what the Bible said about the tithe and about giving. And you, when it comes to this, this subject, you can't even talk about coming to Christ without talking in financial terms. Because the Bible says, according to Ephesians 1, that in Christ we have redemption. The word redemption is a financial term. That God has redeemed us, that God has purchased us. In Ephesians 1, it says that we have been sealed, which is the phrase, that, that, that phrase means earnest money. That Jesus was the down payment on, for you and I, that, that God purchased us. Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And that 1 Corinthians 7 tells us that God purchased us at a high price. So Jesus purchased us, he bought us back, and God uses financial terms to show us what he has done for us. How many are thankful that, that God has bought us back through his son Jesus? He purchased us. We belong 
to him. The Bible, though, that does not stop there because the word of God declares that Jesus paid for your sins and my sins, that God was literally buying back all of our junk, all of our sin, all of our rebellion. That's what Jesus did for us. And as, as you unpack this from a biblical perspective, if you go back to the book of Genesis, you can, you can see how God has set this thing up. Because in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, we see that God formed a partnership with Adam and Eve. He formed this relationship with them. He created them and placed them in an environment for them to prosper, in an environment for them to do well. And the place that he placed them in was amazing. How many know Eden means paradise? It was beautiful. They had all of their needs met. They had everything that you could ever dream of. And God told them in the garden, I want you to enjoy it like it's yours. And I want you to exercise dominion. And I want you to enjoy everything that I have provided for you. But he said there is one tree in the midst of the garden that you don't have access to. There is one tree I don't want you to touch. I don't want you to take from it. I want you to leave it alone. That one tree is mine. Don't do anything with it. We know the story, though. The devil came in, and he came into the garden, and he didn't tell Adam and Eve to build their house on the other side of the garden away from God or anything like that, but he pointed to the thing God said, it's mine. He pointed to God's divine portion, and he said, you need to take from that tree. The one God said, don't touch. I'm telling you, you need to touch it and you need to take from it. And Genesis 3 and 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So this, this is really, really important because Eve ate the divine portion, and because she ate the divine portion, they came under a curse. They came under a curse because they took something that God said, don't touch. And I want you to understand that Adam and Eve chose the curse. Now, I'm not knocking them, but they intentionally chose to touch what God said don't touch. And many people are still operating, even though they're in the church, even though they say they're following Christ, they're operating from a curse because they're choosing to eat and to touch what God says belongs to him. It's still happening today. So we need to understand this about God. Number one, God always keeps something for himself, a divine portion. There's always something that God says is mine. Don't touch that. Don't bother. It's mine. It belongs to me. He's a God of first. He's a God of first fruits. He's a God of firstborn. We see this when the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And we know they wandered around in the desert for wilderness for 40 years. But before they uh, went into the promised land, God said, I've got this great land for you. Uh, I've got this, this promise for you, but as you walk it out, there's 10 cities you're going to have to defeat. If Y'all remember that? As they go in and they, they're, they're defeating Jericho and all these other cities on their way to uh, taking possession of everything God has promised. Um, but God had told Joshua that of the 10 cities, the first city, Jericho, everything in it, he said, I don't want you to take the silver. I don't want you to take the gold. It all belongs to me. God was saying the first and the best is always mine. And so they went in, they conquered the city, and they thought 
We have given that city and all the possessions of the city to God. But the Bible says there was one man by the name of Achan who took some of the silver, who took some of the gold, and he, came, he, he and his family came under a curse. And I know it's Old Testament, but the Bible says they were put to death because the first always belongs to God. The same was true for Adam and Eve. God has a portion. When it comes to our income, God has a portion. The, the, the first 10% of our income, that is God's portion. It belongs to him. Um, when we bring our tithe and offering, nowadays it's not bring it so much as I go online and click, right? And, and, I, I, and that's, that's the same as bringing it. But that first portion, God says, it, it belongs to me. It's mine. You're not giving me anything. I've already claimed it and marked it as mine. The problem is, is that many of us like Achan, we're taking what God says is mine and we're eating it ourselves. We're putting it in our bank account. We're, we're putting it in our wallet. We're spending it on ourselves instead of bringing it to God. And now we are operating under a curse. And my question is, is how can we say we're a follower of Christ when we are keeping the portion that belongs to Christ? Listen, the gospel is good news. Jesus came and lived a sinless life. He died so that you and I could live. That's good news. We come to Christ by faith. We put our trust in him. But once we come to Christ, here's where the news is not as good for a lot of people. Once you come to Christ, now it's your turn to die. It's no longer your agenda. It's no longer your life. It's no longer your money. It, it's all his. And so I have to learn how to bring my life in, into submission to God's kingdom and his agenda. Remember, any area that I'm, that I'm not inviting the kingdom into my life, it will exclude kingdom results from that area. So I may be experiencing a healing in my physical body, but my finances still be messed up because I'm eating what God says belongs to him. There's one pastor that told this story. He said he had a couple that came to his church for several years. And uh, they came up for prayer one Sunday, and he didn't even preach on money. He was just preaching a, a message, opened up the altars. They came up. They said, we need you to pray for our finances. And um, we're struggling to pay our bills, and this has happened, and that has happened. And so the pastor asked them, he said, um, Are you, do you tithe and give? And they said, no. He said, I ain't praying for either one of you. Why would I pray for you to be blessed in an area that God has already said you're cursed? See, nobody's going to shout over that, but you don't pray for finances. You honor God with finances. So we, we got people that steal and rob from God. That's why Malachi said, will you rob God? We're robbing from him, and then we struggle, and then we want people to pray for it. I can't pray you out of bad decisions. I can't pray you when you've been robbing God and stealing from God. I can't pray you out of that. It's your obedience that brings you into alignment there. That's good preaching. It's quiet in this church right now. That means I, I'm preaching the right stuff right there. I, I, I don't pray for it. It doesn't mean I can't ever pray for finances or God to open up. The, but if I'm disobedient, what good is my prayer? Right? I've got to be obedient. I've got to bring what belongs to God. If not, I'm operating under a curse. So 
It's interesting to me how God formed his partnership with Adam and Eve. And I want to put it in uh, terms that you can understand. How many of you are familiar with Bill Gates? Anybody know that name, right? Owns Microsoft, billionaire. Um, What if Bill Gates came to you and said, hey, um, I'm going to give you Microsoft, but the first 10% belongs to me, but you get the other 90%. Now, we know it's billions. How many of you would take that deal? I'm going, I'm going to take it. Well, God has set up the same kind of thing. He's like, of all your increase, of all, all of your wealth, of all your possessions, he's saying, bring me the first 10%, and I promise I'll bless the other 90. And in God's economy, listen, your 90% will go further because if your 90% is blessed, that's better than 100% cursed. But we got to learn. That's why I'm calling this, who do you trust? Who do you trust? And God says, test me when it comes to this area. And so God has given us that kind of deal. And this is the message of the book of Genesis. There's one tree that belongs to God, and he said, I don't want you to touch that. It's mine. Um, A great example of this would be uh, to the married people. How many married people do I have in the house? Let me talk to the wives real quick. Um, I, I think most wives love to hear their husband say, I love you, right? That's important. Um, but there comes a, a point where just saying I love you doesn't really cut it if there's no corresponding action, right? At some point, it's not tell me you love me. I need you to show me. Like I need your, you to get out and cut the grass and go make some money and help me with these crazy kids. And like not just say you love me. I need evidence of your love. I need you to show me that you love me. And And here's what was happening in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to demonstrate their love for God by obeying him, okay? By, by doing it God's way. Not just saying, we love you, but we're gonna do our own thing. How I many of that sounds a lot like the American church? We love you, Jesus, but we're still gonna do our own thing. We gotta get past just lip service and we gotta have some action where we say, I'm not just gonna say I love you, God. I'm gonna show you that I love you. My life is going to demonstrate my relationship with you. And when it comes to money, money talks. And what we do with money speaks about our relationship with God. In Genesis 3 and 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. So God said, don't touch it, but she saw it was good for food. So she saw it. That's the lust of the eye. It was pleasing to the eyes. We can see the lust of the eye along with the lust of the flesh. And it goes on to say it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. That was the pride. We see the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life all right there by taking what God said belongs to me. God has a divine portion that belongs to him, that he is marked as his. We are not to touch it, but we are to bring it to the house of God. He always has a divine portion. The next scripture is going to help me with my second point. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. My second point is trust is a must. Hit somebody and tell them trust is a must. All right, this relationship with God is about trust. It amazes me that people can believe that they are saved and on their way to heaven, they're going to spend eternity with Jesus. They believe that. They trust that, but can't trust him with a hundred bucks. How are you going to trust God 
with your soul, but you can't trust him with $10. Trust in the kingdom of God. And when I say trust, I mean be dependent on God. Do the right thing and trust God with the results. If I can trust God for eternity, that I'm going to spend eternity with him and in the presence of God, I should be able to trust God for my next meal. If I can trust God that my salvation is complete, I should be able to trust him that when I bring the tithe into the storehouse, that he'll pour out such blessing I won't have room enough to receive. If I can trust God to heal my physical body, I should be able to trust God with my income. Every time we lean on our own understanding, we stumble. Every time we lean on, on our own understanding, we fall. We run around in circles. Our, our paths are never straight when we lean on our own understanding. But when we trust God, he makes our path straight. He takes us from point A to point B in a straight line instead of doing all these circles. But a lot of times we lean on our own understanding, we get off course. And sometimes we trust God with the intangibles. We trust him with joy and peace and things like that, but we don't trust him with the tangibles, like our finances, our power bill, like paying off the mortgage. Everything in life is about trust. Proverbs sixteen twenty says, blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in the Lord. There's a blessing attached to your trust. And blessing literally means God's tangible and intangible favor coming on your life. It means that when God blesses you, you're going to have joy and peace, but you're also going to be taken care of. I think we ought to take just one second, a little praise break, that God's going to take care of us. I know many of you are new to church, you're new to this, this concept, and you're like, what? i got to trust God with money. Yes, you do. you got to trust God in this area. God wants you to trust him in this area. It's part of the blessing. God, God's kingdom also has an economy. There are kingdom finances. I'm believing for kingdom finances in your life. I want to see your mortgage paid off. I want to see your kids go to college and you, and you write the check and not have to you know, pay it back over the next 30 years. I want to see uh, mortgages canceled. I want to see this building paid off. I want to see kingdom finances but we got to trust God. We got to trust. And listen, if, if, you're, if the person sitting on your row becomes a millionaire next week, you should be the first person to celebrate them. Because what you can't celebrate in another, you'll never experience yourself. Man, y'all are a tough crowd. I want you to get excited about God providing for you. Which brings me to point three. We got God always has a divine portion. Trust is a must. Number three, matter matters. All right? PK thought I had a typo here. Do you really want to say matter matters? Yeah, I do. Because what I mean by that, everybody say matter matters. What I mean by that is your stuff matters. Your possessions matter. So much so that Jesus said, don't spend your life seeking stuff. Seek me and I'll take care of the stuff. So it does matter, but it's how we handle them, how we steward them. The illustration, I've got some kiwi up here this morning. Some of y'all wondering what, what this is. I've got some kiwi with me. And this kiwi today is going to represent your possessions. 
It's going to represent your income. For some of you, you've got hundreds. Some of you have got thousands. Maybe we just prophesy some of you are going to step into millions. Anybody receive that? Y'all ain't playing today, are you? The Kiwi represents your possessions and your money. Um, And I've got to trust God with the Kiwi. I've got to trust God with my possessions, with the money he has blessed me with. Tom Cruise made a phrase famous in a movie that came out many, many years ago where he said, show me the money. Come on, y'all quit acting like you didn't see it. You saw it. You come to church and act holy. You saw the movie. Uh, He said, show me the money. Okay, show me the money. I love that scene. Show me the money. Um, And with that, God gave, remember, Adam and Eve, he gave them this paradise. Eden means paradise, this perfect place. And he gave them all sorts of tangible blessings. But he said, if you want to show me that you love me, you got to be willing to be obedient in this area. Don't touch what I said don't touch. Just don't touch it. It's mine. There's power in this financial thing. We see it in Genesis. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus spent a large portion of his ministry teaching these principles about money because Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. So God's saying today, Pastor Chad, you say you're, you, you trust me. God's saying, Show me the money. You say you trust God, God says, show me the money. Where your treasure is, there your heart. Your your heart and your treasure are always in the same place. Where you invest money, your heart's in that. Right? If if you go to Walmart and buy $500 in grocery, it's because your heart is, I got to feed these kids. Right? Right? If, if you bring the tithe and bring offerings to Bethesda Church, it's because your heart is in this place. Your treasure and your heart are always connected. And so God says, if you trust me, show me. Show me. It's not, not lip service, but it's something that I show him. All throughout Scripture, we see the power of this principle later. At first, it's called God's portion. It's what belongs to God. But later, God gives it a name, and he calls it a tithe. That the tithe is the first 10% of my income. I bring it to the local church where I'm fed. I bring it to the local place of worship. And tithe means tenth, a tenth of everything I make. It means a tenth of what I I get paid each week or every other week. Uh, If I get an inheritance, a tenth of that should go to God. If I get birthday money, I ought to give 10% to God if I trust him. Okay, y'all with me? Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him, don't get mad. All right, don't get mad. This, this, is, this is just as much kingdom as laying hands on the sick. We just think sometimes it's not. God very much is in the realm of finances. Some of you, I, I had some testimony even between services. They were like, Pastor, if they really want to know, I can tell them this thing works. I started doing it, and God did eight, and they started telling me what God did. It's an area that God will bless you if you'll trust him. Tithe means tenth. I bring it to the local church. And when I'm talking about the tithe, I'm not talking about giving. Tithe is not giving. Tithe is not generosity. It is God's divine portion. He has already marked the first 10% of my income, the first 10% of your income, as it belongs to me. And he's already told us where it goes. 
It don't go to the Salvation Army. It doesn't go to another mission organization. It goes to the local church. He's already designed biblically the first 10% is mine and where to bring it. So everybody say tithe. Okay, we got that part. The problem that we have is that a lot of people, instead of bringing their tithe, they're eating their tithe. By eating, I mean they're putting it in their bank, bank account, they're spending it at Walmart or on the house payment or whatever. They're eating their tithe instead of bringing their tithe. Um, why do we do that? We do that because of the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. When we keep what belongs to God for ourselves, we are trying to be our own God. We're trying to determine our own destiny. We're demonstrating that we don't really trust God in that area. When Achan took the gold and the silver that God said, it belongs to me, don't touch it. When he took it, the Bible says the rest of that money became cursed. Therefore, Joshua had to go and to find out who took what belonged to God. The whole amount became cursed because one man took what belonged to God. When you do not tithe off of your, your income and bring it to God, then all 100% of your income becomes cursed. Now, we don't like that kind of teaching because we like to think the Lord loves me. He does love you, but that's a principle of putting God first in this area. It all comes back to the kiwi. Everybody say kiwi. It re this represents our income. I want you all to count these for me real quick. Go ahead. All right, I have 10 kiwi. Um, if I'm going to tithe, how many of these would I bring to God? One. It's not trick question right? I would bring one. I would bring the first and the best to God. Is that correct? That would be a tithe. And so I got one kiwi. God says, bring me one. Everybody say one. All right. You get to steward and manage the other nine. Now, a lot of people say God's not fair, but this bowl looks a whole lot bigger than this one. God says, trust me with the one. Now, here, here's what's important. Pulled this knife out, and I thought, Halloween's over, right? Wow. I cut the kiwi open. What's in the middle? Seeds. Are you connecting the dots that when I bring the tithe, God says, I'll pour you out a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive. Why is that possible? Because my tithe, contained in the tithe, is seed. And some of us, instead of bringing the tithe so it can be planted and multiplied, we're eating the seed. And God says, if you will tithe and trust me in this, when you bring it, you actually have seed in the ground. Some of you got seed in the ground. And listen, just because you tithe one week, if you miss the next four and then tithe again and then miss the next six, you're not a tither because this is about consistency. It's about every time God blesses me, me recognizing where it came from 
and bringing the first portion, the divine portion, back to God and putting that in the ground. That's what I'm doing. And that is always multiplied. It's why Jesus said, give and it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How many of you could enjoy or could could use a, a pressed down, shaken together, running over kind of blessing in your finances? But you got to trust God. you got to trust God with it. But instead of planting it or bringing it, we are eating it. And we have seed that is never making it into the ground. I can bring the tithe to God, and he breaks it open and multiplies it back into my life. Some of you got to get past just getting by. That's all you ever think about. But you got to start seeing yourself as being blessed to be a blessing. That it's not just God wants to help me pay the rent this month. God wants to bring me into a place where I can help others pay their rent. Right? God wants you to be a source of blessing to other people. But that happens when you you begin to trust God. When, When God wanted to save us, what did he do? He gave us Jesus. Right? Did he not give us Jesus? And out of, out of Jesus giving his life, what came out of that? Jesus was seed in the ground, and now God has many sons and daughters. Anything that we bring to God is always multiplied. But because we take it and eat it and we don't trust God with it, we never see the multiplication. We never see the favor. Jesus said, that he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. They took the seed, which was Jesus, buried him, and we're the fruit of his resurrection. God planted a son, and now he's got all kinds of sons and daughters. Anybody thankful that Jesus did that for you and I? It's, it's, it's. Now, let, let me finish up with this last verse as the worship team comes. Malachi chapter 3. And this is where, you know, most people go to immediately when they talk about finances. But it is very, very important that we understand it. It says in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, I love. God, God literally says, bring all the tithe. Why would God have to say bring all the tithe? Because some people tip God and call it a tithe. They write their little check, and it's nowhere near 10%. But they want to check the box that they're, you know, I'm a good person, I gave, you know. And God says, no, 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 no. Bring all the tithe. Full 10%, the first and best part of your income, bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The only time in the Bible that God says you can test me is right here. He's saying when it comes to your money, test me. I've told people for years here, when it comes to tithe and offering, test God. Try it. Try, try being a tither 90 days and see what happens. And if it don't work for you, we'll give you the money back. I've never had anybody say, hey, I need that back. You know why? Because God can't lie. His word is true. When we honor him in this area, God gets involved in our finances. 
when we eat the tithe, when we rob God, when we choose to be cursed, we are literally shutting the windows of heaven over our own lives. We're locking up the heavens over us. We're putting bars on the windows of heaven. But when I obey God, see, it's not enough for me to talk to you about prayer and fasting and serving and laying hands on the sick and all that if I'm not going to talk about this kingdom principle as well. This is very, very important that we get this. The last point I want to give you is tithing is not generosity. You got to get out of the, the thinking of when I, when I bring the tithe, I'm generous. No, the tithe is his. It belongs to him. It's not generosity at all. If I'm going to be generous, I got to do something above the tithe. That's where generosity begins. Generosity begins after I've brought the tithe. And so what that, that, that means is, is that I'm going to trust God with the first 10% in obedience. And if I'm going to be generous, I'm going to go above and beyond. Listen, tithing is entry level. That's the beginning. And a lot of people get that down and they bring the first 10%, but they never get into, because the Bible is very clear, bring, bring tithe and offering. Some of us never give God an offering. You know what an offering is? Offering is your gift to God. Some of us never get to give a gift to God because all we do is bring the tithe and we stop. The tithe is already his. I don't know about you, but I want to bring the tithe, but I also want to live a generous life and be able to say, God, here's my gift to you. Here's my gift to you. I believe that we should bring the tithe, but I also believe that we should pray about the kind of offerings. My dad was, and mom, I, I, you know, I got stories I could tell you guys. My dad was a coal miner, but loved Jesus. Became a pastor. Coal mining to pastoring. And I, I can remember there was a, I think it was a Sunday night service, and my mom and dad were tithers, like big time. Yeah, so much so that I didn't even know Jesus, but I got my first job, and the first 10% of my income, I was lost. I still gave the first 10% to Jesus. Didn't even understand. I just watched them operate in it. And I can remember one night, and my dad had been laid off of work. And that happened quite a bit in the coal mines. They would just come in, shut down, laid off, and then you really trust God then. And I can remember we were in a service, and I think my dad had $20 or $40 in his pocket. It's all we had. And we needed groceries at the house. And God told him, we need tithe and this is what we got left and God said give it all knowing he needed to feed me and my brother which you can look and tell I don't miss a lot of meals um, he gave it by faith it was an offering this was not this was above and beyond this was God okay I hear you got home and on our porch that night I mean the same night the Bible talks about a principle that you, as fast as you can get the seed out of your hand, there'll be a harvest. Like the, the reaper will overtake the sower. And we got home that night and on our porch was bags full of hundreds of dollars worth of groceries sitting on our porch. We have no idea where it came from. But everything we needed was there. I'm telling you, when you trust God, Everything we needed was there. 
And I learned that principle. And so even as a lost person who got his first job, I'm like writing out a tithe. I'm not even like obeying Jesus. And I'm still giving him the first 10%. And I have seen God move in our finances because I've been a tither since I was like 17 years old. And so I've always, and I'm always going to be one. Devil, you just need to hear me. I'm always going to be one. I don't care what happens. I'm always going to be one. I'm going to bring that which God says is mine. I'm going to be faithful with it. But I'm also going to step into the realm of above and beyond. That's why I, I talked to you a little bit ago about that Christmas Eve offering. Pray about that. If you're not a tither, be a tither. Just be one. Decide. I'm going to do this. I'm going to test God. I'm going to try, I'm going to try this thing out. I'm going to give God 90 days to show me what he can do if I'm a tither. Do that. If you've been a tither, start praying about, what can I bring on Christmas Eve? We're going to help churches being planted and churches being revitalized. We're going to help with some projects. What, what can our family, we're going to buy all these presents for everybody at Christmas. Nothing wrong with that. Go ahead. Love on your kids. Buy presents. Buy, do all the stuff. But let's set aside a portion that's above our tithe to say, God, we want to do something that's going to make an eternal difference. How many will pray about that with me over these next few weeks? I want you to stand to your feet. You guys can come get these tables. I'm done with that. Um, as you're standing, go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment. Um, I want to speak to the, the people in this room that are not in a relationship with Jesus. I know we preach to you about finances and trust, but a relationship with Jesus is also about trust. It's about putting your trust in Christ, inviting him into your heart and making a decision to turn from sin and to follow him. That's what salvation is. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I, I need to make some things right with God. I need to repent of some sin. I need to turn around and go in a different direction and to follow Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're in this place as our compass coordinators, if you'll get in place where you can see if hands go up, uh, I want to make sure that we don't miss anyone. But if that's you and you, you say, I want to follow Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. Would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, that's, that's me. You're talking to me, Pastor. Anyone at all? One over here. I see this hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm going to follow Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want us to pray out loud where we can hear it with our own ears. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. I repent of those sins, and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for those making a decision to follow Jesus. Prayer team, staff, go ahead and get in place. These altars are open. If you need prayer today, please come and receive it. Give Jesus one more praise as we sing this morning.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.